0: Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, please. So, uh, the uh, Bayfront Village Church sends their warmest greetings. Uh, how do you guys stand behind this thing? This thing is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk around here. I'll go back eventually. Um, yeah, so... Welcome from Bayfront Village Church. They want me to tell you hi, uh, aka we're the Dirty Bay. Uh, we really like it over there. Uh, God's doing some really amazing stuff. Uh, it is a pleasure though to be back here. This is this is our home. Like for two and a half years, and I wanted to say this. And this this is uh, this is this is free. It's not in my notes. Um, we we are so um, my wife and I i have been so blessed and privileged to be a part of this family. Now, some of you guys know me and some of you don't. For those of you that know me um, and, and, and have walked with us through our story and really which is God's story, um, it's, it's just been a treasure for us to leave where we were and, and, and to come here and to find a home and to find a family and to find a community that loves Jesus and loves one another. And so I, I just want to express to you it really is an honor to share God's Word with you today. It, it really is. To walk through this with you and know that we're doing it together and that, and that the Lord's doing this thing in us together is such a privilege. So let's go ahead and turn into uh, Acts 4. We're going to be in verse 23 through 37. Um, I'm going to read um, that the whole of that text and then we're just going to dive right in. You guys ready to go? Yep. Yeah, verse? All right, here we go. Verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? And the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against you, your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hands to heal, and signs and wonders are performed in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. and laid it at the apostles' feet. How does this happen? How does it happen that... Am I... Am I? Is my beard doing this? Okay. It's going to happen a lot today because my beard is out of control. Okay. But, but how does this happen? How does it happen that when people are persecuted, they can get to a place in which they say, Jesus, God, would you give us more boldness? Jesus God, would you help us and in, in, in help us to be more bold in the midst of our persecution, in the midst of all these terrible things, Father? Would you do something new and something fresh in us so that more and more people will see that you are God? How does that happen? How does someone get there? I think that we look at this passage and we often think, um, these are like super Christians. Like, wow, these are, you know, we look at it like, oh, I want to I I be like that. But here's the thing, church. They didn't get there on their own. This wasn't some sort of like happenstance in which this something took place and they're like, oh, this is exactly how we should respond. And they, just, and they just made the good choice. No, they got there because the Holy Spirit of God was faithful to bring them there. That and that alone, apart from His Spirit and apart from His Word, they have nothing to hold on to and they have nothing to cling to. So, so I look at this passage and I'm like, where did it all begin? Here we go. You guys ready? We're going to turn our Bibles alive. Turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. This is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful part of scripture. So in John 14, Jesus is uh, telling the disciples that, hey, um, I got to leave, right? I'm going to be going away, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. And look what he says here in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you, what, another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. And I'm thinking about the audience here, and I'm thinking about Nathaniel. Do you remember Nathaniel when he was when Philip went to Nathaniel and Nathaniel was under the fig tree? Now, under the fig tree, what that meant was that he was meditating on scripture. That was a term that they used for, for, for those who were studying scriptures. Under the fig tree meant they were they were studying scripture. As Nathaniel and Philip were walking towards Jesus, Jesus looked at Nathaniel and said, When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. When you were under the fig tree, when you were meditating on scripture, I saw you. Oh, do I need this? Yes, you do. Oh, boy. That means I have to use the podium now. Okay. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, here we go. So do I take this off now? Okay. All right. Back to Nathaniel. So I'll find a way to not use the podium because I'm a rebel from the dirty thing. So, so Jesus looked at Nathaniel and said, "When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I was, I was with you. Remember that passage that you were trying to figure out? That passage, Jacob's ladder, and went on later in the text, and it said that passage. You will see the Son of Man ascending and descending. Right? You, uh, or, I'm sorry, you'll see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man." That's what he said. So he said, Nathaniel, I'm that ladder. So when he said that the Holy Spirit will be with you, indeed the Holy Spirit is with us. What is the Holy Spirit doing with us? He's guiding mankind to the person of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is with us. And then Jesus said this, the Holy Spirit will be in you. In you. Apart from the Holy Spirit coming in them, they could not accomplish the work that God wanted to do through them. So, where do we see that? Actually, let's go here first. Verse 25 of the same uh, uh, chapter, verse 14. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to my name, He will teach you all things. How does a believer come to a place in which they're praying, O Sovereign Lord, because the Holy Spirit will do this. He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. You apart from the Holy Spirit, this doesn't happen. Now turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, really quick. We're going to blaze through this. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said this. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so as the Father has sent me, we, we can't we, 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 have to, we have to jump on these words. As the Father has sent me. So I am sending you. In the same way the Father has sent me, and what he has sent me to do, now I am sending you. And check this out. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't, I don't know what that breath thing looked like. I don't know if it just, Receive the Holy Spirit. But apart from the Holy Spirit going in him, if it was just some sort of angel freshness smell, it wouldn't have been that great, right? But the Holy Spirit actually went inside them. Now, what would he say uh, later on? Turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And while he was with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. And John baptized with water, but but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. And when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, when will you uh, set up the time to restore the the nation of Israel? Verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know the days or the seasons in which the Father has fixed by his own authority. What is important is this. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So we have with us, we have in us, and we have upon us. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Now let's just look at the text. Let's look at what you've been studying over the last couple of weeks. What are we seeing from the church? The church is being what God ordained them to be. Witnesses. Witnesses. You look at Acts chapter 2. How does Acts chapter 2 happen? How does the day of Pentecost happen? Because our sovereign Lord ordained it to be. He wrote it down. He said, this is what's going to happen. He wrote it long ago. Just like David said. David said this. He said, all of my days were written in your book before one of them came to be. The story of God has already been written. So when we say, oh sovereign Lord. When we say, oh God, you're sovereign. you're, You're fully in control. That's true. It's a true thing. So these guys are walking through and they're uncovering what is actually true as they're walking in obedience, as they're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's being revealed to them. This story that's already been written and they find themselves being believers who are simply putting one foot in front of the other. And I think that's a beautiful example for us. That we are believers that simply are just putting one foot in front of the other and we're looking at the Father and we're saying, Oh, Sovereign Lord, I I don't know what the whole of the plan is, but what I do know is that in the whole of the plan is that you are to receive honor and glory and praise. So Lord, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm just going to begin to walk in. Peter didn't know, right, that the day of Pentecost was going to happen and that he would stand up in front of all these people, shy, not shy Peter, but, but foot in the mouth Peter, Put in the mouth, Peter would not have done that. He would have run away from the little girl that accused him of following Jesus. That's what he would have done. Peter apart from the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit came into Peter and came upon Peter, Peter could not help himself but to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Couldn't help himself. He had to tell the world, this is who God really is. He was, he, was, he was compelled and more than compelled. He was driven and more than driven, he was empowered to go and to do and to say exactly what God had already ordained. How, how do all those people gather in that place at just the right time, at just the right place and the Holy Spirit comes down and upon and then works through? How does that happen? The sovereign will of God, the sovereign will of God. So we see that, and then two, and then we got, it goes further, and then Peter goes, and then you, you see the, 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 the man who was crippled his whole life, right? At the gate, beautiful, right? And then Peter goes, and he walks by, and the, and the guy's asking for money, gold and silver have I none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Take up your mat and walk. Take up your mat and walk. That's, that's wonderful. I don't have anything. I don't have much. But what I do have, I have Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit in me. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, take up your mat and walk, go, be healed. And that gets him into some trouble, right? That gets him into a little bit of trouble. And so, and so he gets in front of the Sanhedrin, right? Him and John, and they're in front of the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin is warning them. And then he goes on to this long monologue about, not monologue, but he, he begins to tell them, like, this is what's really happened, this is what you've done. And they're astonished, what? They're astonished at the boldness. They're astonished at the boldness. Where does the boldness come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Holy Spirit. We had to be witnesses. What did Jesus say in in, in Acts 1? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. Witnesses to what? To the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Witnesses to what? To the faithfulness of God. Witnesses to what? That Jesus Christ, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Jesus is God. And everything is under His control. You would not have the power to do what you did apart from the fact that He gave it to you. So there's an understanding, there's a build-up understanding the sovereign will of God, understanding the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's just just like this swell kind of happening. And as they go and as they move forward, and they see this boldness, what happens? They let them go. And then here we are. We're in 4. Acts 4, 23. This is beautiful. So they go back and they talk to their friends. Guys, you won't believe what happened. You won't believe this. We were in front of the Sanhedrin. All this happened. This is what took place. This is what they told us. They told us if we continue to do this, there's going to be some serious consequences. Look at the unity in the spirit. Look at the unity around God's Word. Look at the trust they're going to have in God. Look what they said. And when they heard it, they, meaning they, they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. The God who is in control. Jesus, everything is under your control. Everything was made by you, it was made for you, and it's held together through you and in you, and we trust you. How how do we get there, church? How do we get there and we look at our lives and we say, you know what, I'm looking at my life and I realize this really isn't my own. That everything I have comes from God. John the Baptist said that no man could receive anything apart what was given to him from heaven. God is in Control and he's not in control because you said in a prayer, I give you control. Sorry, I'm gonna, it's gonna hurt a little bit. I'm gonna kick some shins because I've said it too. We all say very nice little Christian easy things, right? We get in our little circles, oh, Father, we give you control. You know, and we do that. You don't have control, you never had control, and he never gave you control to give back to him. He's in control. When that Pharisee had come up to him, in Mark chapter 12, and, he, and he, said, he said, hey, what's the most important command? What did Jesus say first? He pointed him to Deuteronomy. He said, he said this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord our God is one. He is before all things. In him all things are held together. He's sovereign. He's in control. He's not number one in your life because you declared him to be. He's number one in your life because he is. So that should take some pressure off of us. He's sovereign whether or not you recognize it. He's in control whether or not you recognize it. But something beautiful happens in us when we recognize what is true. And what is true is that our God is in control. And that our God is good. And that this story is unfolding because He wrote it. And if if you're in the middle of, of, of something kind of crazy in your life, or not in the middle of something crazy in your life, everything you have, every part of your story came from heaven and can be used for the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. That's good. That's true. That's true. And for us as His church to look at Him and behold Him as He is, is the most wonderful thing in the world, because when I behold Him for who He is, there's so much grace and mercy and truth that pulls over my life and pours over my mind. And when I look at the world around me, I see it as it is. I see it for what it is. I see the people in my life for who they are. And it changes me. It changes how I see things. It, 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 it changes my inner man, my inner being. To look at God and say, this is who you are. And now I understand who I am. O oh, sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of God our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. Again, there's never a moment in time where he's not in control. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot vain? and invaded? the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and His anointed for truly in this city. They were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. A lot of times, the church, we get these questions. Kind of why questions. Father, why? We look at the world around us and we say, Lord, why? And we can answer some of them. We can say, well, sin's in the world, so that's why. But to understand the complexity of the sovereignty of God, I don't think any one of us can wield that. What we can wield is this. That God is good, that He's sovereign, and that's enough. He's good, He's sovereign, and that's enough. That's all I need to know. I don't have to understand all the whys. I don't have to understand all the hows. I don't have to understand any of those things. What I need to know is that God is good, God is sovereign, and I can trust Him. That's it. That's all that matters. So much so, He's so in control. He gave people the authority to sacrifice his son. It doesn't get worse than that. Yet, it happened. He's in control. And now, Lord, I love this. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. You knew what the threats would be. You understand where it's coming from. You wrote the story. Look upon their threats. And grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. See, this is not what I would have prayed. <laughs> it's not i am mean, being honest with myself. I would have prayed for a, a swift donkey, right? have, Lord. We have people coming against us. Would you make my donkey faster than theirs? <laughs> I think that's what I would have prayed. You know, I, I don't know if you swift donkey. Why did I say so dumb? Anyway, I think that's what I want to pray. Oh Lord God, you know, help my sne- help my sneakers to be you know nice and fit and not not to run, help me to run fifty five miles an hour. You know, help me to get to the, the right cave. Help them never to find me. You know, I've been praying for some kind of relief. What they were praying for is like, Lord, we just want to be in your presence. We want your will to be done. So it, it, that's a, an amazing challenge to me as I'm facing various things in this life. I mean, let's just let's just be honest. I mean, I, I run three businesses. We're planting a church. My wife and I are like, ah, you know, and, and let's, let's be real. We're fully trusting in the Lord, but there's times I don't. There's times I'm praying kind of the wrong thing. But here's the deal I, I, what I loved about the study this week is that as I'm looking at it, I just said, I saw that it was sovereign. I'm like, oh, yeah. That takes so much pressure off. Well, I don't have the capacity to handle this. The Holy Spirit who is within me and the God who wrote the story has all the capacity that I could ever need. And so we walk and we put one foot in front of the other. God is faithful and He is good. And they prayed for more boldness. They prayed Lord, help us to be bold in declaring Your Word. I I don't... We've got to be careful with the word boldness, I think, in our, in our common language now. Because sometimes we, we mistake boldness for loudness. Sometimes we mistake boldness for picket signs. And we mistake boldness for Facebook posts. And we mistake boldness for things that maybe have nothing to do with it. Boldness is the quiet confidence that God is in control. That's what it is. Boldness is looking at lies in the face and saying, "Uh, no, I know what's true. I know I'm forgiven. I know it's true. I know I don't have to be ashamed anymore because my God is taking care of it. It's looking men or wives in the face and it's it's declaring truth to them. Not in a domineering way or not in a way that, that makes them feel small but looking at them and saying, look, honey, this is who our God is. This is who our Father is. This is what He said. I don't trust me, and I don't trust you, I, but we can trust Him. It's, it's speaking what is true when everything else is saying, don't. And it happens in the lives of our kids, and it happens in our, 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 our households, and our relationships, and our, and our work environments, and come tax time, and all those things. It, it, it always happens. The boldness of the Word of God can be and should be declared. Always. It should always be on the tip of our tongue. Lord, help us to to declare your word with boldness. Consider the threats. Consider what is before me and just help me, Father, to be more bold. While what? While you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I think a selfish prayer sometimes is that, Lord, use me powerfully. Father, help me to be bold as you do what you do. Church, we're we're along for a really exciting, adventurous ride, and that's our place. That's our part. I remember I've been studying a lot of the Book of John because we're going through it back in the Dirty Bay, and, and, um, and I remember that, that 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 John the Baptist was asked by by the, the Pharisees, "Are you the prophet?" Are you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? No. Who are you? By what authority? I'm simply a voice crying out the wilderness. That's all I am. I'm a voice. He wasn't trying to be more than what he was. and He wasn't trying to be less than what he was. He just owned what he was. And he said, I know that I'm simply a voice. I know I'm simply a, a participant of God's grace. I know I'm simply one of his children. And I am simply a voice of one saying, look. There he is. There's Jesus. And that's our part. That's our role. That's what we get to do. We get to remind one another of who our Jesus is. We get to remind our communities of who our Jesus is. We get to remind our families of who our Jesus is. And and that's the role that we play. That's what we get to do. And it's a wonderful thing to do. It's the best place to be. Because we don't have any of the pressures of having to perform. We don't have any of the pressures of trying to, to, to keep up or to maintain. We just simply look at our God and say, look how good he is. Look how great he is. Look at what he just did. All the pressure's off. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? Continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they just continued to speak the word of God. Boldness. Sovereign Lord, I trust you. Sovereign Lord, you're good. This is coming against me, but Lord, you knew it was going against me. And I'm trusting you more. And the Holy Spirit, what comes upon them, and at just the right time when you and I need to be bold and we need to speak what is true the Holy Spirit, because he promised that he'd bring to remembrance all that he taught us he brings it to remembrance and it's there for us to hold on to and to cling to and to declare over our lives and to declare over other people's lives help us to continue to speak the word of God with more boldness now verse 32 here is the here's an everyday interesting uh, (laughs) application application and I've taught this passage before, and Christians get a little nervous about this passage. Because if you, if you take it for what it says, and you think that it... You'll, you'll see. If you haven't read this passage, you'll see. It either gets kind of weird, or it gets kind of nice. So we'll just see what your opinion is when we're done. Alright, here we go. Verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. How does a group of people become of one heart and one soul? We know the scripture calls us what? The body of Christ, right? How do we become one heart and one soul? In John 17, if, if you haven't studied John 17 in a while and you just you just want to see the heart of Jesus for you, uh, read, read, read John 17. It's where he's praying, right? He's praying for his disciples and then he goes on to pray for us. And what he prayed was, Lord, uh, for those that would believe on, on me through the disciples' message, he, he said this, May they be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world will know you have sent me. How are they one? They're one because of the Spirit and the Word. They're one because it was the will of God for them to be one. They are one and they are united together because that's exactly what the sovereign plan of God was. Jesus prayed may they be one just as you are in me and I am in, in you. May they also be in us. Why? That the world may know you have sent me. It echoes again in Acts 1. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. It's all pointing to Jesus Christ. It's our lives pointing to the Father. And it says this, and that belonged to them. And nothing that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. Now, if you read this incorrectly or study it incorrectly, you might think for a second. I got to readjust here. My hands. There we go. You, you might begin to think that everything in common means they had everything in common. They all like the same Greek yogurt or something. That's not, that's not what it was. All right? um, these people didn't agree on everything. That's not what this meant. What they have in common? Their common bond in Jesus Christ. Their common bond in Jesus Christ. Nothing that they had, they saw that nothing that they had was their own. Is that true? If, nothing, if I can have nothing apart what I receive from heaven... Is it mine, or is it his? It's, his? it's his. It's his. So they're just acknowledging what's true. Father, I know that what I have is not mine. I know the wife that you gave me, you gave her to me. I know the kids that you gave me, you gave them to me. I know the clothes that I have, that, that you gave them to me. My car, my house, uh, the, the grass that my... Whatever it is, there's nothing that I have that you, God, did not give me. So it's yours. Your blessings are are all over me, but I don't want it to own me. They were just acknowledging what was true. They had everything in common. They saw that nothing what they had was their own. And then verse 33, And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. I'm going to read that again. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. It also says in the book of John um, that in him we have received grace upon grace upon grace. Church, how are we here today? How is it possible that this group of people I'm not judging you. Oh no! I guess I guess that was kind of How is it possible that this group of people came to know Jesus Christ? Think about your journey. Think about how you came to a place in which you understood who Jesus Christ was, and you understood the gift of God, and you saw your own depravity, and you said, "There's an answer for that." And you and you got. How did you get there? You didn't get there on your own. You got there because He was faithful to take you there. Grace upon grace. We didn't deserve it. Grace upon grace. We're here today, and we're gathered together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How does that happen? Grace upon grace upon grace. His grace is sufficient, and His mercy is new. This is something that we can trust as His church, each and every single day. He's, He's for us, right? He's not against us. Why? Because we belong to Him, not because you're awesome but because He is good. And when He looks upon us, He sees His children who desperately need Him. And we receive grace upon grace upon grace. And as they're declaring the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they're declaring what is true, grace falls upon that word. Grace falls upon that truth. Grace falls upon that result, and so as I'm a dad and I'm a husband and I'm walking into my home and I and I see we're in the middle of a kitchen renovation. We need a lot of grace, right? <laughs> and and and, and my, my wife yesterday she was just like she was she was like you know, like this, and she's she's a determined lady. You never met my wife; she's awesome and she's super determined to get something done, right? I'm like. Argh. We tried five times. Let's just get some of those. No, 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 no. She just keeps plowing away and plowing away and plowing away. And the stress was building, the stress was building, the stress was building. Now, what was I to do? Hey, honey, I got to go study. No. No. I get in there and I help. How did I do that? Grace given to me because that's not it. There's a mi- million times I'm falling apart and she does something that's not in her inherently, but you just see Jesus. When we're walking in his truth and we're, and we're looking and we're, 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 we're beholding him, we see him begin to take over and we see him begin to empower us by his Holy Spirit and we see his grace upon grace upon grace upon grace great grace was upon them all. Now, there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands and uh, households, uh, they sold them and uh, brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, I talked to Jeremiah about this, and he's thinking next week, after you wash his feet and all of the elders' feet um, that you guys should bring all the titles to your property and uh, just lay it, lay it right down there and, and Joel, see he's, he's laughing because he knows it's true this is exactly not no, something he talks about at all but see here's the thing, as a church sometimes we look at that and be like uh, <laughs> what do I do with that? They sold everything. Is this like the church model thing? Is this what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to sell all of our stuff, bring it in, and we all just kind of like do like some sort of social thing, and we're all just like living in in a commune, or you know, what's going on? That's not what this is. They looked at everything that they had. They looked at everything that God had given them, and they said, Lord, we know it's not ours. Father, Holy Spirit, leverage this to build your kingdom. Leverage whatever I have. Because what I have was given to me from heaven. Leverage whatever I have, my time, my t- you know, my gifts, my talents, um, my, my finances. Father, whatever it is, I know it's not mine. So whether I have plenty or I have little, I just look at my life and I say, Father, this isn't mine, it's, it's 100% yours. Now, Father, how would you want me to leverage this for the furthering of your kingdom? How do you want me to leverage this for the glory of your name and the glory of your gospel? It doesn't mean that we're all gonna sell everything that we own, but what it does mean is that I look at what I have and I understand that I just disperse what is God's. It's not mine. It's not mine. And that's difficult. It's a difficult hump for some of us to get over because we work hard, right? And we go out and we earn and we and and, and and we try and be responsible and then you know we go and we buy things and we pay our bills and we do all of these things. And so so we We get this kind of thought that everything I have... Yeah, I've I've done this. I've somehow earned this. Or I've I've worked this out. Well, did you? Yes, you worked. Who gave you the ability to work? The Lord. Who who gave you the education? Who who put you in a position in the story that he wrote in advance? The Lord. So they looked at everything they had and they said, Father, we know it's not ours, it's yours. How... How is your church, would you have us distribute this for this time, for this season, for this place, in order to further your kingdom? And for that church, at that time, at that place, that's what he asked them to do. And that's what they did. And no one had anything in need. And they looked at it and they said, this is not ours, it's his. And they just said, Father, leverage my life. Leverage all that I have for your glory. So there wasn't just a a, a bold declaration. And there wasn't just a bold prayer. It followed through into their very existence. It became a part of their DNA. It became a part of who they were. Because they had been changed by the power of God. They had been changed by the Holy Spirit of God. They had been changed by His truth. And by His word. And they introduced Barnabas here because he's going to be in uh, uh, later on in the book a, a big part of the story here. But as we look at this, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for the church? What does it mean for them? It means this: our God is in control. Our God is in control. He is sovereign. We can trust Him. We can behold Him. And we can acknowledge what is true. And then as we acknowledge what is true about our God... What does he do? He gives us the right thoughts and the right perspective and the right word to speak at just the right time. How do we know how to pray? Because the Holy Spirit will teach us how to pray. How do we know how to act? Because the Holy Spirit will teach us how to act. And he begins to move through and it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what place you are in your life. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what's going on in your family. You can look and behold your God and see you are completely in control and you are completely good and I completely trust you. That is something that we need to allow in our own minds and in our own hearts to constantly wash over us because we constantly forget how wonderful our Father is. He, not only is He sovereign God, but He's Abba Father. He's Abba Father. He's, he's, he's our dad. Remember he said to the disciples, I will not leave you as orphans, but I must send you a helper. Abba Father. By Christ through Christ, we cry out, Abba Father, Sovereign Lord, Dad, I believe in you, I trust you. Now, as Father, as I'm walking through this, as we see all this unfolding, that you've the story you've already written, would you help us in every way to continue to declare your word and your truth? and your love and your grace with all boldness. Help me to look at a lie in the face and say, I know you're a lie. This is who my God is and this is what his word says. And Lord, help us to be one just as you are in the Father and the Father is in you. Help us be one together so that the world will know you have sent us. They can see our lives falling apart, but still see the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of trust in the Father and the Sovereign God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to be bold and to continue to speak your word boldly in the face of opposition. Uh, Father, and, And you know, here's the thing. This wasn't shown to us um, because it was just a great story, and it's supposed to inspire us. Right? we all here, you know, especially in the social media world, right? We see lots of inspiring things. I always, I always cry at the ones that, uh, that, that, uh, where the soldiers are coming home. You guys ever cry at uh, I'm like a little girl. I, you know, this is not to inspire you, this is to remind you of what's true. That's inspiring. It's to remind you of what's true. This isn't something that should just stir you. This is us as the church saying, this is who God is. And reminding ourselves, this is who God is. And this is why I can be bold. And this is something that we have to continue each and every day to point ourselves to and to point our communities to Great grace is upon God's church. Great grace is upon you. And as, as we acknowledge who our sovereign Lord is, as we acknowledge all that he has done for us, in us, what he's doing through us, we see very, very quickly that all that we have is his. We ourselves, bond servants, bond slaves of Jesus Christ, are his. My hope and my prayer for my own life and for the life of my my wife and for my children and for our church and for you would we, that we behold God as He is. That we would look at Him and we would say, Oh man, you are good and you are in control. And I'm not gonna I'm gonna look at fear in the face and just point them to who my God is. I'm gonna trust Him because He's trustworthy. I'm going to trust him because he's God. And that we would look at our lives and we would say, Father, leverage this life that you've given me so that the world will know that Jesus Christ is God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your church. This wouldn't be anything. We would be... uh, lifeless apart from your sovereign plan Lord I ask in Jesus name that today we would behold you for who you are you are our sovereign Lord you are our Abba Father you've written the story and because you've written the story we can trust you completely so Lord as we come before you and we're about to, to have this meal together with you Father at a, a table that we, we don't belong at apart from your grace Help us to see you for who you are. I believe, Lord, that that puts us in a place where we know who we are. And we can honor you better. And we can look at you more honestly. Lord, continue to bless your church. No matter what it faces, we trust, Lord, that you are good, that you're in control, and that just when we need it, your Holy Spirit that is in us will come upon us and help us proclaim your word in all boldness and in all truth. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.